0: welcome to formula one philosophy episode four i am as always your host nicholas mckiley with my engineering friend John medeiros
1: hi everyone mm-hmm. welcome back
0: today is march 1st 2024 we're already into that smart weather that comes about every every year and it also means that the formula one season has begun the much anticipated formula one season And today we're here to talk about what we saw in qualifying today. But first, as always, this is Formula One Philosophy. That's when Sean and I speak together. Formula One Therapy, I released an episode yesterday. Apologies to all the kids who listen. And uh, Sean will have his therapist, which is his rebuttal to my crazy therapy sessions coming up soon. Formula One Philosophy, Therapy and Therapist. Formula One underscore philosophy at Instagram. Check out more information there, more cool memes, and more breakdowns of engineering techniques and uh, mathematical statistics from from the races. Sounds riveting. <laughs> hey, that's the start. We're only we're only a minute in. We can like I can say whatever I want right now. <laughs> we're joined as always with the dogs Senna and Gatsby, the lightning quick Senna, and the. Not-so-intelligent Gatsby. Not-so-intelligent Gatsby. I tried to think of a nice way to say that, but there isn't, is there? No. Look at him. Yeah, he wishes he was part of this podcast.
1: There's nothing behind those eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Much like Will Buxton. All right. So, first off, you know, we always have this podcast and we never we never give people a sense of how we actually used to do this. Because I said this; these were our conversations that we videotaped or we didn't videotape or didn't record over the past 10-15 years that we've watched Formula One. And uh, the first part of our conversations always start with, how's life? So how's life? So you know what, Sean? How's life going? How's work? How's everything? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's life. It's busy. This week in particular was a a little hectic. I spent uh, two days in the US for work. Oh, wow. Uh, I worked it out. We did about 16 hours in the car over 36 hours.
0: Damn. Did you want to say where you went? Did you go to um, the third world country that's south of the border? Or did you go to the riveting uh, metropolis?
1: We did a nice little... um, U.S. Midwest tour. We hit Michigan Mm. into Indiana, Indiana into Ohio, Ohio back to Michigan. So you
0: did hit the third world country known as Detroit. Or regional destination.
1: I'll leave it with those are your words, but sure. We went through Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Let's just say everything in the Midwest looks the same. Mm -hmm. It's just... Beige highways and flat fields.
0: I, I don't know. I drove. I did my red state tour in 2018. I went Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, and I don't know how I didn't fall asleep on the highway, especially those like long straightaways. Michigan at the beginning, when it's close to Canada, is it's actually a beautiful highway. Nice little turns. I, I don't know if you went through Sarnia with like I did, but
1: I used to go through Sarnia a lot. And this time, you know, the people I go. The people I'm going with now tend to want to go through Detroit, so yeah. I don't like it, but...
0: It's, yeah, so they do. then they do Windsor and Detroit. Detroit was once the greatest city in the world. Windsor was never anything. <laughs> you, you've always told me this, so I'll let you say it. Well, what, did, what do we call Windsor here?
1: What do we call Windsor here?
0: Purgatory. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you wait to go somewhere special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean what i associate with windsor and driving through windsor to detroit is that the 401 is so straight you could fall asleep for an hour and not hit anything yeah
0: yeah there's like it's just a horrible place the animals don't even want to go there cuz you're right like there's no no worry about deer or anything like that on that highway no yeah yeah um i have one thing to say I had an incident, I don't know, I won't elaborate into this. An incident? An incident at work and I want to just get your thoughts on this so I thought I'd bring it up. I'm I'm a waiter, I'm a part-time waiter. I do a lot of things in my life, I used to be a carpenter but as of right now, just for the time being, I'm back waiting tables because it's, in my opinion, easy money and it helps me start stuff like this and hopefully I can turn this into something that makes money and then go do other passionate things in my life. I'm a, I'm a renaissance man as far as i'm concerned and i'm the only one who thinks that but something happened to me and i i want to bring this up i want to see what everybody thinks and i'm going to try not to get hyperbolic and parabolic but more than likely i still will did kevin spacey touch you he he tried but that was many years ago i'm a little too old for him now you're the one that escaped from his basement then yeah that was a traumatic experience sean I thought you wouldn't bring this up on that podcast. <laughs> anyways, this week, it was actually it was technically last week, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I served a table whose bill was $50. Technically 49.96. And this is Canadian dollars for our American listeners, so $2 American, I think. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um anyways, when it came time to pay me, they decided to pay cash and not credit card or debit card. And they left me cash. So I didn't know that total off the top of my head going into the to the payment. So I was just, I was kind of busy. It was just a little flustered just trying to get the payment. And I see him hand me a red bill and a quarter. He left me 25 cents on a $50 bill. Now I want to make something really clear to everybody. And like I said, I'm going to try not to get parabolic.
1: Hyperbolic.
0: Hyperbolic, parabolic, same thing. Like I I could start here at the, what is it called? The low is called the the tangent intersect point or the cusp.
1: Yeah, in a mathematical sense, they're the same. The point is hyperbole is not the same as a parabola. Hyperbole is a, a literary term or an English term.
0: I told you I haven't been a mathematician for many years. Okay. <laughs> Point I'm trying to make is: do not do that to everybody listening. Do not leave twenty-five cents on a fifty. All servers out there would rather you underpay them, even like even stiff them some money, and basically say I hated your service, like pay out of your pocket, which you shouldn't do that anyways. That's not that's not good. That's if we start that uh, what's that called that precedent, a lot of people are going to do it. But you are the scum of the earth if you leave 25 cents on a 50. Damn, I'm getting hyperbolic, aren't I?
1: What did you do to him?
0: I don't know. I have no idea. I thought I, I, I do the same thing I do with most tables, which is, you know, undermine them, make fun of them, make a lot of sarcastic remarks, and ignore them for periods of time. But that seems to work well for other people. <laughs> I have a theory. Yes? It was Kevin Spacey, and he had just heard your sponsorship bit. hmm but wouldn't Kevin Spacey want to give me money and be like, "Hey, there's more back home"?
1: You're out of his age range now. Oh,
0: okay. So this is his way of saying, "Fuck you! How dare you use me in one of your one of your uh, sponsorship fake bo- sponsorship uh, blurbs?" Listen, I, the whole reason I brought that up with Kevin Spacey is because it seems like the public has completely forgotten what he did. And this podcast is not to discuss that, but like, holy crap, people, do we really have that poor memories? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. I didn't get parabolic on that. I had a whole thing about, you know, him dying in the hospital all alone, but you know, I, I kept that to myself. <laughs> and if you're listening, I don't want you to die in the hospital all alone with your family abandoning you saying you should have never left that waiter only 25 cents. I did it, Sean. Sean. <laughs> I kept it clean and you brought it back
1: <clears> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so we actually have one correction. I said in last week's podcast that Sean has Offfan uh, dumont on his uh, on his wall of his list of beers. We should probably get a picture of that for the for the Instagram at some point. He doesn't have au fin du dumont he has au tout demont, and tout demont, if I'm not mistaken, is the uh, is the wheat beer, or that's sorry, the Blanche de Chamblay is the wheat beer, yes. Tout de is the this less strong version. I think it's more like a lager.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not
0: 9%. Yeah, it's four and a half. So we're going to get Fendou another day on this podcast. But yeah, that's my correction. It's not Fendou it's Tout de Both all excellent beers, everything by Unibrew. Please sponsor this podcast. We love your work.
1: I will say one thing. I'll apologize to everybody that listens because I feel like it's my resp- it's my fault F1 Therapy got another episode. <laughs> if I hadn't gone so far off the rails last week, we would have had a more structured, more therapeutic talk, let's say. And then maybe Nick wouldn't have felt the urge to go on that uh, problematic rant <laughs> that he did yesterday.
0: You see, I've got nothing but positive reviews, so you shouldn't apologize for what you did last week. It happens to everybody. Everybody in the first couple episodes, they, they get a little drunk. I listened, all, I, all the podcasts I listened to, all their first episodes, everybody got drunk. So we're just, that means we're going to be famous. There you go. Heard it here mm-hmm. first. And I want to say, I would have gone on that rant anyways, because holy shit, Drive to Survive, get your shit together what the hell was that this season
1: but if you want to hear about that go listen to the episode of f1 therapy that nick just put up
0: yes i'll have some sort of response to it shortly you can't respond to a crazy person i think you should just like you know inject me with uh, like sedate me
1: so then we're gonna pack this up and call it a day mm.
0: Or basically your entire therapist episode should be the an episode or a montage of all the episodes of House where they sedated the patient.
1: Or just a, a hot mic while I sedate you.
0: Mm. Yeah, okay. Either way. That, that works. I think a lot of people would like that. Eventually, I think I'm going to be so hated in the F1 world that they're going to be like... There's going to be like a Reddit form saying, should we hire Sean to kill Nick? Sean will be the biggest poster on that Reddit uh, subreddit or whatever it's called.
1: Yeah, I mean, the number would have to be big, but there's definitely a number. Hmm. Oh, wow.
0: That's kind of scary. <laughs> 250000 you think? I ah, know. You're worth a little bit more than that. Oh, Sean. <laughs> I'm blushing.
1: <laughs> Mainly because I could use a little more than 250000
0: It's probably close to a million then. Yeah, like, think about it. You're going to have to... Let's not think about it. Anyway, <laughs> I stopped myself this time, everybody. Okay. So... What are your thoughts on today's qualifying? Like I said, this is March 1st, 2024. Today was the first qualifying of the season uh, for the Bahrain Grand Prix on a Saturday night, or I guess tomorrow morning for us. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts, but I want you to start the conversation. So what did you think about qualifying today?
1: So qualifying was interesting. I think Q1 was probably the most entertaining Q1s um, session that I've seen in a couple of years. Hmm. We had some genuine performance from cars down the field that didn't make it into Q3, but it showed that we're looking at a a grid that can fight. Hmm. It genuinely looks like the grid can fight. Now, obviously, Max did what he does hmm. not only did he stick it on pole he stuck an extra lap in there to improve unnecessarily just because why the fuck not
0: well i, I just to jump in i know i don't want to get you too off topic but that's that's who max Versteppen is i think he's absolutely he's meant to he mentally wants to crush these people i think and the testing and the first two practices he wasn't dominating and i think that really bugged him but yeah
1: yeah on. and We saw a lot of hype yesterday. Everybody had, you know, was all bent out of shape and excited because Mercedes was on top and they're Mm -hmm. back, baby. And no, it's going to happen. Excuse me. Bless you. Um, But one thing that not many people caught on to, and you really had to pay attention to hear them mention this, Honda didn't allow any of the Honda running teams to use full power
0: yesterday really
1: so fp1 when max stuck it on top and looked dominant that wasn't full power fp2 mercedes stuck it on top everybody kind of just ran around doing race simulations on soft tires and honda kept to their their run plan of no full power i guess they're still trying to make sure everything runs well with the engine beginning of the year make sure we don't run into reliability problems tomorrow Mm -hmm. um but then sure enough come qualifying right back on top no problem
0: what was it almost three tenths or i think it was like two and a half tenths or something Uh,
1: like uh it was just under three tenths at the end of qualifying yeah
0: yeah already and that's like once again the ferrari supposedly improved mercedes supposedly improved and
1: they absolutely did like nobody should be disappointed because Max Verstappen is going to run away with it. Uh, you and I have talked about this before, Nick, where if you're simply watching F1 to see who wins the race, don't bother watching it. Mm. Just tune in afterwards. Okay, Max won again. Fine. Yeah. There's so much more to watching a race than who came in first. right? We yeah. spend all these years and all this time trying to make it so that you had more on track battles. It wasn't just passing in the pits and it wasn't just going around in circles in the same order that you started. Mm-hmm. We've got an entire field within one second.
0: Yeah, Q one. I was gonna I was gonna say that. Q one Carlos Sainz is one twenty and the Alpines, we'll talk about them. Uh one thirty nine. One three zero point nine. Yeah. So I maybe should eat crow a little bit and say i've talked shit about the regulation changes many times it seems like in year three of the regulation changes they've they finally got their intended goal in the sense that they said the entire field would be within a second and a half of each other
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and now they're within a second so in a way the these regulation changes are are slowly working so i'll give yes. them a little credit for that
1: yeah and they touched on this in the f2 um sprint race as well that F2 is a spec car. Everybody has the same engine, the same chassis. Mm. You have different engineers, different drivers. So you can set up the car differently, and the guy behind the wheel can do whatever he does. Those 20 cars in F2 should be so much closer from front to back than F1 is, because F1 you have 20 different or you have 10 different cars, five different engines, four different engines, whatever it is, and 20 different drivers you should be getting a large spread in that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that F1, with all that variation, is closer than the F2 field tells you it's going to be a more exciting series to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: Or it's going to be more exciting 2nd to 20th. because. And this, I just want to touch on this point because you said, yeah, there's more to watch than just who wins. You're right. But it's also amazing to watch greatness, in my opinion. This is something, like, as much as I... As I got bored with the Hamilton years and even the Vettel years, the, Schum- the Schumacher and Verstappen years, those are those were exceptional years in the sense that you saw two drivers make the most of, of a car that ne- didn't necessarily warrant what the the results were. Like Just because the Red Bull may have been better than everybody last year, and I don't think it was as better as everybody thought, but just because it was, it doesn't mean that a driver can win 19 races, 19 out of 22 races. That's Verstappen. That's the exception exceptionalism of Verstappen, right? And we, we need to admire that. And I've talked about this in, in other therapy sessions. I hope they don't destroy him for it. They probably will eventually. But I, I think that's a great thing to watch too. Sean's right. Watch everything. I, I even got involved a little bit. And this is was blasphemy for me because I know I've talked shit about this for many years. I was loving the 7th to 10th and the instructor's Constructors uh, fight last year. There is a lot yep. to watch. There, There is quite a bit to watch. And yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah. And that raises another good point. Um, <coughs> oh, fuck. Jeez. Excuse me. Um, F1 has an F1 Fantasy League. Mm-hmm. And Nick and I are going to set that up. And that gives us kind of a week-to-week rolling competition we get to pick drivers pick teams all within a cost cap to see who scores the most points and i'm sure nick will do it the way nick does most
0: things with how he feels at any given moment like rain man like i'll, I'll just r- glance over everything like rain man and i'll know the answer that implies you're doing some level of intelligent thought in the background I would, I would like to think i have that like subconsciously just because i can't uh bring it to the forefront of my mind doesn't mean i don't have that calculation my predictions aren't always as bad as they seem there's a lot of there's a lot of big swings and, and misses that's for sure i'm, I'm like um i'm like yalkin phoenix and signs <laughs> all right <laughs> a lot a lot, of, a lot of strikeouts but hey when he got the home run it went, it went the farthest in, in all of that. I forget what that town was. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Great movie. <laughs> Anyways, you have a chance to compete with Sean, and Sean has numbers and engineering behind it. So can you compete with Sean? Can you beat Sean? I think Sean dominates the fantasy league that we have with Formula One philosophy, personally, based on the pure statistics.
1: We'll see. I may have the numbers and I may have all the data. However, I do tend to make decisions sometimes that are a little more emotional than.
0: Yeah, okay, yes, let's let's talk about that a little bit because it'll bring us back to some some points here. Um, you ch- revised your position for Ferrari. Your hatred of Ferrari and the wild turkey took over that decision. Because I I, I I'm, we're gonna all as as members of this podcasting community we're going to give you one more chance are you positive that ferrari is going to finish sixth this year i'm not but something tells me my other predictions are right yes actually i think i got alpine and austin martin completely wrong based on what we saw this week and v carb i don't know what's going on there
1: the thing for me is when we look at q1 they were phenomenal
0: mm-hmm.
1: q2 yuki just missed it mm-hmm. danny didn't do so good but it was good enough to show some merit and when we look at fp3 from yesterday ricardo was running around on those soft tires for 10 to 15 laps somewhere in there mm. with some pretty consistent times Mm-hmm. In Bahrain, that's an extremely abrasive track. It hasn't been resurfaced in the 20 years that they've been running there. (laughs) Um, Of course. It is hot. It is abrasive. It is old tarmac. A soft tire lasting that long is pretty impressive. And if you can keep it doing consistent times, I think V-Carb's got something in that car um obviously they can get a decent qualifying this track's probably not the best one for them but it wouldn't surprise me if you see danny and yuki stick it out high midfield tomorrow
0: yeah i was actually watching a video i forget who it was by but they made the point in the comparison to austin martin 2020 or racing point in the sense that the, the racing point that year was basically basically a b-spec 2019 mercedes yep. essentially And they finished third in the constructors. And they're saying if V-Carb just took the 2023 Red Bull and rebadged it, we might see something similar this year. I I don't think they can get that high, in my personal opinion. But it's an interesting thought.
1: Yeah, and it's clear now that that's not what they did. They didn't just copy the old Red Bull. And they've taken a completely different approach in an environment that is heavily influenced by Red Bull right? A mm. lot of Red Bull people were working on that car. So it is a different car, but it's very clearly a quick car. Mm. It's going to be how quick is it? I think they're definitely quicker than some of the people around them. Um, I would say the Williams has improved, but I think the V carbs are going to be ahead of them.
0: Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be a tight battle. That's going to be a very tight battle, and Sergeant, I don't want to really talk about him too much, but he seemed to just miss the mark again, so that's not going to help Williams in their their situation.
1: But didn't you hear, Nick? He put on five kilos of muscle over the winter.
0: Oh, wow. I did not hear that. Who was saying that?
1: Oh, my God. It's the only fucking thing Will Buxton and Alex Jakes will talk about.
0: Jesus Christ, man. I already went off about those two morons.
1: I don't know what it is. It seems like when it comes to Logan Sargent on track, they have to talk about him because he's out there, but they can't say anything good, so they just talk about how he put on a whole bunch of weight.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I could go off about this for hours, about how, like, don't ruin a European sport to get the American market because you're going to... The American market's never going to care and the Europeans are just going to be feel alienated and pissed. But that's what it sounds like to me, is they want something American to talk about, to get, make it America-centric. It's just... America. The Americans who love this sport, and there's a lot of them, love it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Just keep it that way. Don't don't try and shove someone in their face that they know is bad. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And on the Logan Sargent topic, it was pretty clear in qualifying that the car has gotten better, but we didn't see that from Logan. We saw that from Alex.
0: Yes, and I I was surprised the Logan aborted his lap. Because like he could have got it to Q2, which would have been a nice way to start the season.
1: And that could just be that inexperience and... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Insecurity in his abilities. And I think insecurity has a lot to do with his finishing positions.
0: Um, he has no reason to be insecure. Because his team principal comes and backs him up every chance he gets. Sure, but that's the one voice that's
1: backing him, really.
0: Yeah, but that's the one voice that keeps you in the in the end, right? Like Ab- a-
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But at the end of the day, think about it. He's he's in the the public eye. All of the viewership of F one has access to Logan Sargent now, and he's on Drive to Survive and everything else, and. <laughs> If your team principal is the one saying we're going to give him time, we're going to let him work, we're going to let him develop, that's great. That's what he needs to hear. But if everybody else is saying he doesn't deserve to be there, including you and I, yeah, it's it's not nice to hear. And no, I don't blame him for feeling insecure.
0: Yeah, he has. He does have a lot to prove. This this year is definitely make or break, and uh, that could be weighing on him. But maybe the call was okay. You're not necessarily gonna get into Q2 unless you have an amazing final sector. Abort the lap, save the tires. We'll get them back in the race, which they may still have great race pace. This is this is what I'm actually loving the most about this season is that um, a twentieth, like a sixteenth to twentieth, is not a death, death sentence anymore. Compared to compared to last season, like anybody can get in the top ten now, and I think you might see um, a lot more people going for it. Everyone can get into the top 10, of course, except for Kick Sauber, which is one of the notes I, I wrote here. Only uh,
1: two teams, only two teams were stuck in
0: Q3 or Q1. Yeah, like, like sorry. Sta- yeah, sta- Q1. Q. One. yeah,
1: stayed Q1. Everybody else had at least one car make it to the top 15, mm-hmm. except Kick Sauber and surprisingly, not Haas. Yeah, I think everybody, including all of the commentators, because I was just going through their predictions for the season and their predictions matched ours in similar ways Mm -hmm. and that Haas was on the bottom.
0: Yeah, and I would like to say and pat myself on the back, I was was the only one who gave Haas a ninth because you're right, I looked everywhere. Nobody is giving Haas a chance to get out of the 10th.
1: And here we are. Even the ineptitude of Kevin Magnussen made it out of Q3.
0: And I would just like to mention that, well, it doesn't matter how many times Nico gets into cube three, he's still not gonna get points that race. Unless there's a miracle. There's like an Australia style miracle towards the end. And Kevin Magnuson may get a few tenths again. They may still finish bottom. I'm just I'm gonna give him a chance. I, I don't think I don't think they're they're rooted at the bottom because like as we as we're about to talk about now, Sauber, still useless, nothing else to say. And um Alpine, I want to give you huge props on this because it was testing 2023. So last winter, Sean sends me a text saying, what the hell is going on with Alpine? And you gave a breakdown. I don't know exactly what you said, so I don't want to quote you, but you basically just outlined the ineptitude of everything they did. And so you saw a year in advance this downfall. So would you like to elaborate some more? Sure. Mm
1: -hmm. Specifically, Mm -hmm.
0: what got me about them
1: last year was... They rolled up the testing day one car was fine. They launched it ahead of testing. There were no indications that there were car problems. I can't remember exactly what went on, but they were out late in the day, not super late, but they, they took their time getting out there. And I think they had one or two little reliability hiccups. They ran a handful of laps. They went in the garage Sat there for a while, ran another couple of laps, went back in the garage, sat there for a while, while everybody else is just racking up laps, laps and laps and laps and laps. End of day one, you had most teams putting in well over 100 laps. I think Alpine did (laughs) 40-something, and the, the question started. You did 40 laps. They weren't necessarily competitive laps. What's happening? And the... PR at Alpine was we're happy we're executing our test the lap times are what they are don't worry about that we're confident in the car it's the best thing we've put out in the last decade
0: I'm mm. saying something didn't didn't you win four titles on the spot with uh, with the Red Bull Renault? so that's this this is better than that okay interesting <laughs> so it
1: was all praise and a little bit of concern because Why aren't you out running your car? If everything is great and you think it's fast, go... And even if you've completed your test program in 40 laps, which there's no fucking way. Yeah. Go run glory laps for two days. Go show everybody how good the car is.
0: Yeah, get those drivers comfortable with it. Have some intimidation factor like Max Verstappen showing amazing lap times, right? Yeah.
1: Right. And that was pretty much the status quo for testing last year. They went out, they did the minimal laps. It didn't look great. And they seemed to have little hiccups here and there, but they were overconfident that this would be a contending competitive car. And then we get into the races, and it's not terrible, but it's not good.
0: No, <laughs> it's not what it was supposed to be because they finished fourth the season before. And um, Otmar Safnauer, yes, yeah, I did it, um, was saying, We're going to start being in the top three. Like that's the fourth was the springboard. hmm So to double back, so to speak, and go to sixth. And now like I don't I know this is just one race. This is the first note I I wrote. It, if you see on my F1 notes from today. First race is an outlier. Don't panic on everything you see on the first race. Yes.
1: It is a long season. Yes. The longest season we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And just because Haas is up there and Alpine's down at the bottom doesn't mean they stay there. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And let's take an example of it. They're not going to do this because they're too um, incompetent. But McLaren was the ninth best team up until the 10th race last year. Or not the ninth. But, like, they were they were bottom. They were, they were not looking good for a while.
1: They were in 10th place for a while.
0: And I think probably the first three or four races, yes. Yeah. And... Um, but yeah, because I was just thinking by I think by the tenth race they had nineteen points and V and uh, Alpha Tari at the time Haas and Williams were nowhere near that so they were probably going into that race still seventh sixth or seventh which was not where anywhere near where McLaren wanted to be and then next thing you know they're the second best constructor race eleven on right and yeah. nobody got more as many points as them so nothing like that's going to happen with Alpine but it is. 6th or 5th out of the realm of possibilities, not yet. Not yet.
1: Yeah. And I just want to put something into context for anybody who is watching practice. They kept referencing that the Alpine is about 10 kilos overweight. When the cars came in in 22, everybody struggled to get a car that was at the weight limit. So you want to be able to get a car, the bare car, everything that's in there. Under the minimum weight, you want to develop a car that is lighter than you're allowed to have it, so that you can put ballast where you want it. So the car has to be X amount of kilos. I want to be less than that, so that I choose where I put the weight, so that I can change the balance of the car to make it go faster.
0: Can Can you explain ballast for everybody? Is that what you did? Did you just explain that right now? Like,
1: well, hmm. ballast is literally just weight. Like it's okay. they'll machine steel or lead pucks Hmm. to put them in the car where they want you'll see on some of the nose cones like the red bull has this right at the front where it meets the front wing there's a panel that they can remove Hmm. they don't have the driver cooling ducts there anymore they're higher up on the nose now so that panel on the red bull can come out and they can shove weight right in the front of the nose if they want to move weight forward okay i actually saw a good video of this on Instagram the other day. It was the 2008 or 2009 McLarens. They had two specs of front wing. One front wing was five pounds and the other was 50 pounds. Hmm. The heavier wing was exactly that. It was a ballast wing. The the whole wing itself and the whole nose cone assembly was shoved full of lead. Hmm. So you want to get the car lighter than the minimum weight so that you choose where the weight goes so that you make it handle better on any given track. Mm. Smart. 22 everybody was overweight except for Sauber. And that's why Sauber had an advantage early on in the season because their car was lighter. Mm. They could they could end up going faster because they had less weight to move around. Partway through 22 most teams caught up. Last year, everybody was underweight, Mm. so everybody was normalized as far as weight goes. This year, Alpine goes and redesigns the entire car except for the steering wheel, and they're overweight.
0: And they're the only team overweight.
1: Yes. Um. As far as we know, they're the only team overweight. And it shows. The car looks sluggish. It looks it looks like it's throwing itself around. And it's, it's hard to imagine how they got it that bad.
0: I don't know. Didn't they, didn't they keep all their engineers from the past couple of years? Wasn't it just the, the head office? They redesigned the car.
1: This goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where instead of evolving on a concept, like the concept wasn't great, but it was a base you knew. Hmm. Why did you redesign the entire thing? And 10 kilos, so in general, they say one kilo is about a tenth.
0: Hmm. So 10 kilos would be about a second. Right. And that's the how much they're off the pace.
1: Now, I don't think that's accurate because I don't think it's just weight because in theory, if you were to take that weight out, you'd be with Max Verstappen. It's true. So it's not entirely weight. The weight will have an impact on it
0: they're underpowered. Yeah, I was gonna say the unit has always been an issue since 2022, right? Like, right. So there's a lot of work that needs to be there. And and you've told me this a million times, they can't update the engine until 26, right? They're kind of stuck with what they have now.
1: You can only bring updates to engines if it's a reliability improvement. And I mentioned this briefly before, and Nick and I were talking about it earlier reliability can get you improvements we saw it with honda in 2020 2021 because this is not a new thing the development freeze came in i want to say 21 Mm. so you weren't allowed to develop your engines you weren't allowed to develop software nothing (laughs) except if it was reliability and honda was underpowered at the time and they went away and they did a whole bunch of testing and they brought in reliability fixes that lo and behold yielded performance and the way that works and I'll try and explain it just very simply if I if I find something to do to a piston or a camshaft that allows it to live longer under a steady operating condition so if I know this is how I run my engine and I put a coating on it or I change a tolerance or I do something that takes it from a thousand hours of running to 1500 hours of running. I can then change the operating point. So if I know my operating point is a, and it gets me 1500 hours worth of running now, I can crank up the power a little bit. I can change an engine mode to put more power, into the power unit, that will decrease my life. And that's what they're always worried about. I can, you know, these things have a thousand horsepower. I can push it to run hotter. I can push it to run faster, get more power out of it, but it's going to blow up every race. Yeah. So if I find some way to make it live longer, I can push it harder. It's going to die sooner. It won't hit the 1500 hours, but it needs to live the thousand hours. So, if I find something to do that makes it live longer, push it harder, push it faster, push it hotter, and still hit that 1,000 hours, that's a performance gain from a reliability improvement. Mm. That's allowed. Alpine's given up on that.
0: Which makes no sense. Like, y- you need everything you can get right now. What's the logic there? Like, do they? is there no logic? Is it just everybody's mind's boggled with this crap? or? Yeah, because nobody really has an answer. <laughs> yeah, Nobody really has an answer to that. Like
1: Reliability has always been the thorn for Renault. We saw it with Red Bull, and we saw it all the way back in the Vettel days. Yeah. Because if you look at Red Bull's history, it was Red Bull Renault, mm-hmm. Red Bull Infinity, Red Bull Tag Heuer, Red Bull Aston Martin. Yeah. They gave up on Renault because Renault's reliability was so shit. They didn't want to run that name. They didn't want to be associated with the team. That's because the working relationship
0: wasn't good. Yeah, you saw that actually. I think it was one of the drives to survive with a Tool and uh, Horner with that awkward exchange. Yeah,
1: that's when they went to Honda finally. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. that
0: is, what,
1: 10 years in the making. Yeah. So... They stopped branding Renault because they didn't want to deal with that, but they still needed the engine. So they called it Infinity because the bridge between Nissan and Renault and Infinity. And then reliability got worse or didn't improve and the working relationship continued to get worse. So they didn't want anything to do with the Renault engine. So they badged it Tag Heuer, which why a watch company is making, making, (laughs) air quotes, an engine (laughs) is interesting to me. Yeah. And then Tag couldn't afford to do it anymore, so Aston Martin came in. And then Lawrence Stroll threw some money around and bought Aston Martin, and
0: they couldn't do that with Red Bull anymore. But And, that, and that's a great history lesson. But yeah. What's the solution then for Alpine, or more importantly, where do you think they finish? Where do you think they finish now, Dick? Is this, is this a lost cause already? I think they
1: can develop if the team is truly motivated and if the management at Alpine is not as incompetent as I think they are. But they are. But they so are. Sorry. I'm yeah, just but. trying to hold out some hope here. Yeah. There is, They can develop out from where they are. Mm. It's not unheard of. We're talking about a second. Yeah. Right? They won't hit the front. They can definitely get back to where they
0: were in fourth, but it's going to take a shit ton of work. And I I don't even, like, the days of you gaining the second and a half mid-season, like you saw in the 90s, it's it's so rare. I I think what McLaren gained what last year? Half a second?
1: No, they probably gained about a second. Yeah? It can be done, but McLaren also redesigned like 70% of their car.
0: Yeah. And Alpine, like you just said, they don't sound like they want to do anything. Right. Would (laughs)
1: you want to build a a car and a half in less than a year?
0: Yeah. No. No. I don't. I I think they should want to, but I don't think they're going to. Right. Yeah. And sorry, I just, um, the drivers too. Do the drivers, are the drivers good enough that they're going to give the right feedback? Should they try and redesign this thing?
1: At this point, I'm I'm not sure that it's a
0: problem with feedback. I think it's going to be an attitude problem. That's a um, good point. That's a very good point because that was going to be my next point that Gasly's not going to take this and tolerate this. It sounds like O'Con will work with them because I think he knows his career is going to be cut short if he doesn't. But Gasly's already fed up.
1: Yeah. From what you said, yeah. Gasly is extremely emotional and we've seen that in a number of um, different instances.
0: sorry oh I thought you were making a point no
1: Um, we've seen a number of instances where he's extremely fed up and he doesn't handle these situations well and when you're that hot about something you can't give proper feedback right so he's just not going to be useful to anybody in that state if he's constantly in 20th place yeah and Ocon, i think you're right he knows he's got to do something i don't know that he knows what he has to do that's well said so he's gonna fake it till he tr- attempts to make it yeah but at the same time i think where it goes south for him is he's gotten because he's trying to play the team game he's not going to want to finish behind ghastly no so if they're fumbling around like Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher were at Haas in twenty two, it's gonna be twenty four races of Ocon and Gasly in the wall
0: together. In in Mick Schumacher's defense, that was more Mazepin upset.
1: I'm not Yeah, yeah. This is just because we did see nonsense at
0: the back between two teammates in cars that couldn't go anywhere. So I I see okay, I say that's the analogy you're making, yeah. Um, I was going to make the point of why my prediction of Alpine was so good because Alcon had six DNFs to Gasly's one last year and only finished four points behind him. So I think think you're right in the sense Alcon is going to want to deal with this, but he's not ever at any point going to think he's worse or worthy of moving over for Gasly. And that's all that's going to keep Gasly there is if he's treated like the number one. So like you're saying, it's going to be a rock and a hard place that's going to that's going to happen between these guys like it's going to be yeah like an an unstoppable force meets an immovable object in a sense and neither of them are unstoppable forces or immovable objects they're going to be lapped the majority of the time but let's let's see because tomorrow is a whole different day and maybe it was just a bad qualifying and maybe they turn it around and maybe one of them gets points tomorrow but yeah, so and if that and if that's the case, if they can turn it around and get maybe like a point tomorrow, it won't be as catastrophic. They maybe won't go into panic mode. But I think it's fair to say that neither driver stays if if what we saw today continues. Neither driver is going to a want to stay or or be worthy of staying for their Alpine project.
1: I wonder how far it goes.
0: Before they start firing executives, didn't they just do that like two years ago? Like Laurent Rossi replaced who? I
1: forget what his name was, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Famine is there. He's taken over for Safnauer. And Safnauer was the scapegoat. You know, I don't think he was necessarily the right person to be in that team. But he did get them to fourth place. Mm -hmm. He did get them to where they were at the beginning of last season. And I don't know that Famine is up to the task because he's the one that's been in charge of their um, engine team. Mm -hmm. So now he's in charge of the team as a whole, but he was the one that is responsible for
0: them essentially giving up on the engine development. He's the problem and failed upward. And yes. he, he looks like Gunther Steiner, just as someone else who I say that fails upward in this in this sport. And it's so it's very interesting that just they yeah, they took the problem and gave it more power. This Potentially.
1: Is, yeah. And frankly, I think the problem is Rossi. Yeah.
0: But that's we we
1: don't hear much of him because he he's in the background. He's not the the team principal,
0: but but this was the one good thing that Drive to Survive showed, that the second something went wrong, Rossi was not afraid to go off on his team. And that's not good. That's
1: yeah, not. and it was all very public. Yeah. It seemed like every time he went off on the team, the team was hearing it for the first time in the public address of it.
0: Yeah. And didn't, and Safnauer said that too. It's like, yeah, this is the first I'm hearing that I'm I'm gone. Like they basically fired him in public. Like it's just... That's... This is I can't believe Ferrari looks amazing. Like Ferrari Which, yeah. sorry,
1: for the record, that's also how they got rid of Jolene Palmer. Oh really? Jolene Palmer showed up to the track and heard on the news that he was replaced <laughs> by K Meg. No? He raced with K Meg at Renault. He was replaced by your second favorite person.
0: Oh Nico Hulkenberg, that's right. That is correct. Yeah, in twenty six so this is twenty sixteen then? Yes. Okay. All right. I think we did a good job, passionate Alpine. Um, We were sidetracked on Ferrari a little bit. That's my fault. But I want to get back to Ferrari because I made a point here. I made a note, which is I hope science crushes Leclerc. And up until Q3, that looked like the case. That looked like the case that he was showing the real pace in the Ferrari. He has everything. He has everything to prove. And it seems like Charles Leclerc, no matter what he does, He's going to be worshipped at this team. So I think that's going to be a detriment to him this year. Because he knows he can do no wrong. And I think they will even back him over Hamilton. Which they'll maybe do that for the first part of 2025. But once it becomes clear that Hamilton's better, they won't. But I say that because I think science, I think science has every reason to beat Leclerc badly this year. And, And he has all the talent that Leclerc has, in my opinion... And maybe not more, but they're equals. And I think Signs really needs to step up this year. So, what do you think? I agree with that
1: a hundred percent. I think Leclerc is a good racer. Like I've said on the podcast before, I think Ferrari has destroyed him. Yeah. Um, everything that is wrong with him currently is a byproduct of being a Ferrari driver. And the only Ferrari driver to come in with so little experience and such a long contract. Yeah. He broke all the records when it came to young drivers at Ferrari, and he hasn't performed the way he was expected to, at least. Not even close. And I don't necessarily put that on him. And we said it before, his time at Sauber was amazing for what that team was. Relatively.
0: Relatively. Right, yeah, like it's it's let's it's relative. Like you you can't, and this is why I've gone off about the point system. This is why I've gone off about the quick driver discussion. Is that it was basically a lot eights at Sauber. It wasn't many top six finishes. I think it was like one or two.
1: Yeah, but next to Marcus Ericsson in the same equipment, who was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen.
0: But you but you nailed it though, in the sense that it doesn't matter because Ferrari is not supposed to be that place where it raises where they raise someone and you and you bring up a dynamic here that i've never thought about in the sense that had he been left to develop a little bit more and come to ferrari towards the end of his career we might see a more accomplished complete and he might still have a spirit as you said very astutely he might not be a broken spirit
1: yeah and i think it's potentially a byproduct of these junior teams and junior driver academies and everything else where a young driver comes up with an affiliation to Ferrari or Mercedes or Alpine or wherever, they pay a shit ton of money to get them through there, and then they finally get to F1, so Charles finally got to F1, and he did fairly quickly, Um, but he went from racing with Prema as a Ferrari young driver into Sauber. Sauber at the time was Alfa Romeo Junior team of Ferrari If you will Mm -hmm. So Do you leave your future Rising star At the back of the field To have his brilliance Let's say shot down and destroyed By constantly running at the back of the field And no one can see him and no one cares Because he's 17th, 18th Maybe an occasional 8th or 10th Or do you find
0: him another place where he can be competitive? Yeah, and, and to your point, that basically happened to George Russell and it didn't work out well. Right. George Russell stayed at Williams too long. Yeah, but
1: yeah, continue. <clears throat> you think he stayed too long? At I I
0: think he didn't stay long enough. Um okay. Well, he was there three years. And then and then I think to become the second driver to Hamilton was the right idea but he had to under- but he never understood that because he thought he was a champion. He was talked up in the media way too much. He needed to recognize where his place was and wait his turn, which is exactly what they should have done with Claire. But yeah, go on.
1: Yes, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger problem was he had that extremely good position in spa the year they only ran two laps
0: yeah so it was just a good qualifying not a good race yeah but now he's
1: got a second place or whatever it was to his name yeah <clears throat> right in a williams you know yes <laughs> a podium in a williams in 2018 2021 20, 2021 sorry yeah um so he's already going it's ahead. a matter of, yeah it's a matter of time it's a matter yeah. of time and then lewis gets sick in Bahrain. Yeah. And they run George in a world beater car. And he crushes. And he crushes. The team lets him down, but he crushes.
0: I always, <clears> w- <throat> I always wonder, and this is a, a McKaylee family question, that they made up that puncture so that he didn't win with Lewis's car and made Lewis look better than he was. No, I wonder. I wonder.
1: The rest of that race, he looked like a superstar. And a puncture mm-hmm. you can't blame on the driver, depending but I wonder if he had a puncture didn't look like he had
0: a puncture is my point. But anyways,
1: go cool. anyway, w- they shouldn't have put him in that car
0: in the Mercedes.
1: He's a Williams driver. They claim that he is their reserve driver while racing at Williams. No, he's a Williams driver. Hmm. Cause I don't even remember who replaced him at. I think Williams. it was like randomly Kubica or Kvyat or something like that. It, it was, was probably Kubica. Yeah. Um, He should have stayed exactly where he was. Yeah. And they should have put Stoffel Van Dorn or whoever they had within their stable to replace. Yeah. And I see why they wanted to do that because George is their next rising star. Mm -hmm. But all it's done is put it in his mind that he's the next Lewis Hamilton. He's going to go out there and he's going to win seven Mm -hmm. world championships.
0: Yes. And he has this mentality that Lando Norris has too and Charles Leclerc has too. To bring it all back is that if if I just had the car I'm gonna win like I'm already like, like this is what we're saying I'm already a champion in my mind this is what George Russell's thinking all I need is just the right car so you might as well put me in the Mercedes because I, I think I've developed enough at Williams and in a sense I would say yeah he had not too much time I think he had the right time at Williams because like we like we were hashing out Sitting at the back for too long does damage to your confidence. So that's why they put George in when they did. But George is thinking, I'm better than Lewis. I just need the right car. And he never he never understood that he needed to learn a lot from Lewis to be a champion. And Charles, to bring this back to him, should they should have never uh, sandbagged Leclerc the way they did. In, in the sense that had Charles just sat there and learned a lot from Vettel and even had Vettel there in 2022 when he needed some guidance, clearly, he might be a better driver without a broken spirit. That's the whole point I'm making about both of them. <clears throat> you can't stay too long at the back, you're right. But you also need to understand that once you're in the better car, you're not necessarily the main horse in the stable. You need, And George and Charles never figured it out, and that has something to do with them and the teams and the way they treat them. Yeah, go.
1: I guess what I'm trying to say is it shouldn't be so polarizing, right? Because they both started off at the back, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And then they jumped to the best cars on the grid, right? Mm-hmm. There are other drivers who you see progress through teams. You don't see it as much now because of this mentality of the midfield teams take a midfield driver and those drivers just kind of float around in the midfield and the winning teams put a young driver in the B team and then promote them to the top team. And you get what you get with Red Bull. Mm -hmm. This is the next world champion. We're going to fire him halfway through the season. (laughs) Right. And you get the Charles Leclerc where he's doing good in a bad car. Let's put him in the good car. Oh, fuck. We killed him. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There needs to be the progression. And I don't want, I'm not saying this because I want to see F1 turn into a ladder series where the same teams are on the bottom and the same teams are on the top. And then the drivers just kind of step from car to car to car. That's not what I want to see. It's kind of
0: already kind of is in a way, but yeah. But I think we need
1: this mentality of young drivers and allegiances to certain teams. And if I go here and do this, I'm going to get that seat it needs to change mm-hmm. because look at Red Bull's problem. They have all these fucking young drivers.
0: Yeah, they have spots.
1: They have all these drivers on the grid that came through their team that were all expecting to get a Red Bull seat and never did. No. Carlos Sainz yeah, that's true. was expecting to
0: get a Red Bull seat never did. Mm-hmm. Yuki Tsunoda's, I think, has that same problem now. Yeah, He doesn't deserve it, but yeah, anyways.
1: Danny Rick is a bit of a different situation, but his goal is to get back to Red Bull, and frankly, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: I was thinking about that all morning, actually. It's the only other one than Sergio Perez that makes sense. Alban doesn't make sense there, after especially after all the shit Alban's talked about. Um, you don't bring Gasly back. Like who el- who else really steps into that seat? Like Lando doesn't want it. Smartly,
1: if they want to kill Liam, they can do that.
0: I don't think they will, but Liam Liam would be interesting there because if he because he seems like a kid who understands his place. At least I got that vibe from Drive to Survive. So he may he may just step in and be a second driver there.
1: I didn't like his comments about him not getting the seat.
0: Yeah, you're right. You only had five races. Yuki's been there three years. Also, he was a proven leader at that point.
1: Yeah. Mm. Him saying that brought back flashes of Gasly to me. Ah, that's a good point. Um, Gasly almost torpedoed his career because he couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut. And that very much sounded like the beginnings of...
0: Liam trying to do that yeah so he, he, you you got you didn't get on my case but you were you're were questioning me you're saying why was I going after Lawson it's not that I was going after Lawson is that w- there wasn't much of a sample size to go off of with him so the idea that like a lot of people were talking him up, even Jordan and Coulthard were saying he was the next Vettel, and I was just tampering expectations but from what we've seen and from for the most part except for that comment like you said his attitude's been pretty good yes. and he's been pretty solid. But you're right. That's an excellent point. Like, don't go the ghastly route. Do not go the ghastly route because that just does not end well. And also, if you overvalue yourself, you're just, you're never going to make it, especially in a sport where Max Verstappen could potentially be your partner. Like, you're never going to be as good as him. I don't think he's ever going to be at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to say. You, you know, the more I was trying to bring this back to science, but the more I think about it, actually, science does make sense in that seat. In in some aspects, if he understood, he was number two. But I think there was always friction between him and Max. Back to the Toro Rosso days.
1: Yes, you're not wrong. There was. Um, for the same reason, there's always going to be friction in the junior teams with two young drivers max and science came up at the same time they raced in the same series together Mm. so it really was actually no i guess they wouldn't have because max went straight from f3 to um formula one
0: they could have because carlos is older yeah yeah but yeah anyways
1: um so ultimately it was science saying you know i've done my job i've gone through everything i would deserve to be here and then max comes in not having done all the things that science has
0: done and Mm. overshadows him basically and he was a young punk with a dad who was willing to kill everybody yes which obviously was going to cause problems but yeah anyways go on
1: um so i think that's why there was friction nothing more than two people fighting for a seat that only one of them was going to get only one of them was ever going to get yeah right
0: and it was always seemed like it was max there was just way too much hype around him yes coming up yeah
1: um and let's not forget that science went to renault not as a renault driver mm. um red bull loaned him to renault right when he made that switch he was still on the red bull team technically interesting but as a renault driver because they needed to move some things around. And, and
0: they still had a relationship at that point, did they not? Red Bull and Renault? Yes. Yes. yes, okay, yes. Yeah. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But that's eerily similar to what's happening to Gastly right now. I hope science doesn't fall into that same trap. Yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see. He, he needs to really step up this year and he's, and I, I was just, I brought him up too, to just say the point, like I still think he's just as talented as Leclerc. Ferrari torpedoed, like you said, you brought this up a few minutes ago. They torpedoed everything for Charles Leclerc. Mm -hmm.
1: 2018
0: seems so promising. I've said this before. Vettel in a good car, Raikkonen the second driver, Mick Schumacher in F3, lighting up F3. It seemed like the future was theirs and they destroyed everything for Charles Leclerc. And all they've gotten was someone who's just as talented as his second driver. And... Like I feel bad for Science. I feel I feel bad in a sense for Leclerc, but like what was the what was the logic in having Science and Leclerc there ever? And now they're just offloading him. Because they might, like I said, they might as well have just kept Vettel through all this to teach Leclerc. Yeah. And
1: I think it was one of these We're putting everything behind Charles. Right? We screwed Vettel over in favor of Charles, but we need a good driver. And this is not uncommon for Ferrari. We've seen this. They always want two good drivers with a clear number one. Mm. And that clear number one has been Charles. But they want someone who's not going to rock the boat, per se. And I think for the most part, signs followed suit.
0: Yeah, he just can't help but be just as good Charles Leclerc. Right.
1: Yeah, He didn't rock the boat. He yeah. played the team game. He's just legitimately a good driver. Yes. And that's where I think Ferrari's looking at it and going, yeah, okay, it's not creating too much of a problem. But if we have a chance to get a world champion in the car, why not?
2: Yeah.
0: But like we've talked about this last time, like you have someone who's at the end of his career who's a seven-time champion who's not going to yield for Charles Leclerc. And the savior, Charles Leclerc. Like, what the hell is that? Like, that's just going to create even more problems. I think they got this completely wrong. And the reason I'm saying this is so that science goes out and reminds them that he wasn't the problem. Yes. Beautiful. This actually, like you're saying, all this talk we were having about uh, one and two drivers and who's the clear number one. And this is going to come up in our McLaren discussion later in the second half of this episode. But... Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, Do I have? Oh, I just have one more point to ask. Is the pressure on Piastri this year? And I'm not going to, this doesn't have anything to do with our McLaren talk. This is just a legitimate question. I want to know your answer. Is Oscar Piastri under, under some pressure this year? I think yes.
1: But not in the sense that the F1 media and everybody else puts pressure on people like Sergio or a Red Bull driver. Mm -hmm. It's a different type of pressure. I think given the season he had last year where it was an uncompetitive car, it was clear that McLaren put everything behind Lando. He got the first set of upgrades. He showed that it was working. Mm -hmm. Then there was a little bit of pressure on Piastri at that point because... What happens if he gets the upgrades and doesn't perform? Mm -hmm. But he did. Yes. He won a sprint race. Fighting off Max Verstappen. Mm -hmm. This wasn't Max was uncompetitive in Singapore and Carlos Sainz won. This was Max was there and Piastri legitimately beat him on track. Mm -hmm. So I think last year was a good indication that Piastri is a good driver. He deserves to be where he is. He deserves to be in a good car. The pressure this year is, can he stick it to Lando? And can he stick it to Lando
0: in a way that it doesn't grenade the team? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll hold off on what I really think on that. But, but based on today, no. Based on today, Norris was definitely on it, and he wasn't.
1: Well, this is why I said there's going to be pressure, but not right now. Because they're still coming to grips with the car. It's a new car this year. Yes, it's based on last year's, but let's give him a few races. And if we still see what we saw today, then I think the pressure
0: starts to come on. And it'll be good for him because we're going to talk about this later. I think he needs a fire lit under his ass. Otherwise, he'll turn into Mark Webber. If he's too calm, he'll turn into Mark Webber, I think. Just too middle of the road. But yeah, we'll talk about that more later. Anything else you want to mention about what you saw in qualifying before we make our predictions?
1: I mean, I touched on it where I'm genuinely excited by what I saw. Mm-hmm. I I was watching it at work, so I couldn't devote
0: the, the same amount of attention to it as I would have at home. No, you weren't, Sean. You were busy working away, and your bosses uh, can rely on you for any work done throughout the workday. You were not watching at work.
1: Everything that got delivered today got delivered on time with perfect quality, despite the fact that I was watching it at work.
0: Okay, good for you.
1: <laughs> I'm better than you, Nick. Okay, that's fine.
0: Right. I I watch, I watch sports at work, like when hockey's on, a, on at the bar. <laughs> you mean on the TVs that are on in the bar that you work at? Oh, yeah, and I'll shush my tables and say, hey, sorry, hey, let's watch this. And Several he wonders times.
1: why you got 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways,
0: yeah, what else were you going to say?
1: Um No, I think I looked back at my prediction, even my modified prediction that I made, and I went, "Ah, do I really think Ferrari's going to be sixth? No. But do I think V-Carb is going to be fifth? Yes. Do Mm -hmm. I think Aston's going to be fourth? Yes. Do I think Mercedes is going to be third? Yes. So fuck, I guess Ferrari's going to be sixth. (laughs) And I mean, today's performance would indicate that, especially what we saw in Q3, the top 10 shootout, It was very mixed it kept changing right until the last Mm -hmm. the last one was over the lap so i think it may look ridiculous on paper and i may not be 100 percent right but i think this year is going to throw us for a loop and i'm i'm excited for it
0: i agree with you except for the aston the aston i think they might have qualifying pace but like if stroll is still not getting it there's maybe the car isn't good enough maybe fernando will overachieve a little bit but Based on that second half, I just I don't see regular podiums. That's a significant points drop, and I don't think he gets a podium tomorrow. That'll be my first prediction. It's not he's not going to be in the top three.
1: For all we know, we could have a massive pileup in turn one,
0: and Valtteri could finish first tomorrow. That is never happening. I can guarantee that. No Valtteri Bottas P1. Or first place—that's
1: something. Yeah, the the odds may be extremely small, but they are
0: never zero. Okay, and fine. you should know that. <laughs> That's fair. That is good. Well, good point. Well made. But yeah, I th- I think. Okay, we'll start our predictions. I think obviously Verstappen wins tomorrow. As for the other two places on the podium, Perez is fifth. And as we saw from last year, it doesn't matter how good this Red Bull is. If he's not in a good starting position, he's he's not working his way up. That much, at least, in, in terms of the top three. So I doubt he's on the podium. Maybe with some good strategy, he can sneak a third. Maybe. Ferrari is notoriously strong at this. just this track. It might be a 2-3, I hope Carlos 2, Charles 3. But maybe a Leclerc two. Carlos three. That's my gut. I don't. I don't think George Russell holds on to it. Holds on to his third place. And Lewis Hamilton seems to be off the pace, which was surprising. Like to dominate uh, practice, but then come qualifying, he just didn't didn't really seem like he was threatening at any point in time. So I don't know. Um, if I had to say a top five, maybe Perez four. Charles 3, Carlos 2, Max 1, maybe George number 5 or maybe Lando 5. Actually, yeah, Lando 5. I'll lock that in.
1: You want to cool. write this down so we can sure. keep
0: track of it? Sure. I'll write it down. So where are you thinking?
1: Uh, yeah. I Especially this early in the season, I hate to make predictions because uh, there's so much variation in a lot of these drivers except for max
0: Mm -hmm. that's well said yeah
1: so obviously i think if he finishes it's going to be in first i genuinely think the only way max doesn't win is if he doesn't finish
0: the reliable like if he finishes tomorrow that's how many races in a row without a, a dnf because it goes back to 2022 right
1: 23
0: but no but even 2022 the last oh, couple sorry. races yeah he didn't, my years are all fucked up he didn't um dnf i don't think the last 10 races if i'm not mistaken so yeah i'm locking you in max 1
1: i'm just going to look this up quickly yeah. here
0: yeah so so let's see because they, they, I don't think they even had any reliability Australia on in 2022, any reliability issues. In 22, he had a 95% finish rate. So, yeah, then there was the first, the two of the first three races that he DNF'd and then he didn't DNF again. Yeah. The third race. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's, that, and there was how many races that season? There was 2022 20, again, I'm pretty sure. 22 so that's 19 in a row there and then another 22 22 that's um shit that's uh, 41 in a row so tomorrow if he finishes that's 41 races in a row without a dnf that is insanity at some point that's got to give up so you're right that is a good outlier to think about like is there a dnf tomorrow I'm from the red bull from max verstappen if it's going to be anywhere it's going to be here or qatar or singapore any of the hot courses but yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: racing is an unpredictable and dangerous sport. It could be anywhere. True. All it takes is for Valtteri to forget where the fucking brake pedal is again, and everybody's gone.
0: I always wondered if that was on purpose. You're talking about Hungary, 2021. Yes, might have been. Yeah, maybe. Oh, Horner alluded to that. So, <laughs> who do you think comes second? don't have to give predictions if you don't want to. I just I thought we'd...
1: No, but this is the thing. I, I do want to give them. They are just extremely difficult.
0: Nico Hulkenberg comes second. <laughs> it's first you know ever what? podium. It may be... Like I said, the odds may be small, but it's never zero. <laughs> it's definitely more likely, I'll say that, than Valtteri Bottas. And that's saying a lot for me. I'm going to say George
1: goes full George. And takes himself and Charles out. Oh, wow. I'm going to put Carlos second.
0: So we're both in agreement there.
1: Yeah. I'm going to put Checo three.
0: I like that. Lando four. Mm-hmm. So George George, and Charles are out in your minds. Does that mean, is it Piastri, Alonso, or Hamilton? Piastri. I, was, I had a feeling you were going to go there. Yeah. I actually I like yours looking at it now yours I like it because you thought about outliers and um potential crashes. I could see either of these happening. The more I think about it maybe Charles Leclerc coming 3 is a r- little ridiculous by me. Maybe more of a Perez. Perez makes more sense. But yeah. I'll stick with it. I made like I said all my predictions they come off the top of my head. Do so, you want to do a P10 prediction? Sure. All the way up to 10? No. Just
1: one to five and then 10. Who's going to come in 10th? Who's going to come
0: <clears> in 10th? Okay. Let's take a look at this starting lineup. Um, album 13th. That's a good one. Stroll. I don't know if... Because Kalkenberg is going backwards. Yes. That's for sure. I'm just gonna say
1: the three people we have here 11, 12, 13th is Yuki, Lance, and Albin.
0: Based want,
1: on last year's performances, those are the three people. You throw Gasly and Ocon in there; mm-hmm. those are the ones that finish tenth.
0: Yeah, but I can see I can see Stroll sneak a ninth or an eighth. So if I want like the tenth place. You know what? A lot of qualifying is looking similar, so I'm going to say maybe the race happens. Albin got 10th in this race last year. I'll say 10th again, Albin. I'm going to go for Yuki. Yeah, that's what he did. He did that in his first season. Mm-hmm. Why not?
1: I, like I mentioned the other day, this is where Yuki lives. Yeah. Within three positions of 10th, that's where he lives
0: so if he qualifies in that area that's more than likely he's going to be anywhere from 13th to 8th yes or 13th to 9th but yeah i don't know i see i see stroll going up a little bit i can see him pushing into there into the upper not the upper half but like the 8th 7th maybe 8th 8th or 9th um hulkenberg goes backwards i don't know what to, to do with daniel ricardo I think he's probably going to stay in that realm, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to say. I'm confident race pace wise,
1: Danny Rick finds somewhere between 6th and 10th to fall into.
0: Let's hope because if anyone needs it, if anyone needs a good race tomorrow, I think it's him. Because if he gets started on the right foot, his season could explode and the world needs him in a better car.
1: Yeah and qualifying i don't think did him any justice watching him in testing watching him in practice especially fp2 um he looks comfortable he looks happy he looks on top of it Mm. and as far as his performance over his career goes that's when he, he gets the results i don't think he's gonna win i think they have the potential to win a race this year if that car is as good as it looks um but it's going to be a one off and it's going to be later in the season so i think he's
0: firmly mid place in the points it's just a matter of where let's hope and um i think i think you're right in the sense that that car is more track specific for good results and this and this uh track has never really favored them
1: yeah It's, it's an odd track where it's got long straights. It's got fast, it's got a high speed chicane, but it has no fast corners. Mm. So I noticed it in testing. I, it caught me off guard that they had such large rear wings on. Um, and then I started thinking about it Went, yeah, well, no shit. They need the large wings because they're all slow speed corners. They need the extra downforce in the corners. Um, but that big barn door on the back of the car slows them down in the straights. Mm. So it is a bizarre track to get around. And that's why I think Albin in the past has done relatively well because cars can't get by them on the straight. Mm. They back them up in the corners and then they get away on the, the high speed sections. Yeah. So we'll see. I I don't think it's the best track for the V-Carb, um, but I think it'll, they'll do all right.
0: Yeah. It's good and bad, like it, it's it's bad for us because Bahrain doesn't give a good um, judge of where the teams are going to be throughout the year, but it's good in the sense that it's an outlier track, like you were saying, like it's a very weird, odd track so that everybody starts in a course where they can maybe just get comfortable with the car and not worry about the results because it's it's different for everybody. It's just, it's one of those courses that it's, it's not a good foreshadowing to the rest of the year. You're not going to gain any momentum from here. You're not going to lose any momentum from here. And yeah. Yeah, so, you, so it is... For us, it kind of sucks, but I think for the drivers, this is the perfect starting point. This is the perfect track. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Or shall we take a break?
1: I'm going to throw one... One more prediction out there, and this is just for me because I love ripping on the guy. I say Esteban Ocon beats his penalty tally from last year's race.
0: He got, what, four last year?
1: It was at least three. (laughs) I know he holds the record for the most penalties in one race at five. I'm just not sure which race that was.
0: (laughs) Ocon beats penalty tally. I wrote that down. I want, to, I want to write an extra prediction here. Actually, it also has to do with the Alpines as well. I think one of the Alpines flirts with the top 10. I think one of them. Comes close, maybe not in the top 10, but I'm going to give the Alpines a chance this race. Because Gasly did go 20th to 9th last year. I know we talked a lot of shit, but this is, just, this is like, you know, the Super Bowl prediction, like is there going to be a streaker? Is there going to be heads? A lot of people do those bets. This is my crazy bet. One of the Alpines gets somewhere near the top 10. Somewhere near. Some, like 12th is somewhere near. So you're counting on eight cars just not finishing? Mm-hmm. Well, no. I I think maybe like with strategy, like one of them goes on the hards. They do a hard medium or medium hard stint. And Sauber is going to fuck things up. Look at the cars in front of them. Like Haas is going backwards, Sauber is going backwards. That's four cars. So you could potentially finish fifteenth or sixteenth, right there. Maybe there's some DNFs. So yeah, Alpine flirts with the top ten, flirts. Okay. What? What?
1: But let's do this properly. What is flirts? Is, is fourteen flirting?
0: No, it has to be. I think twelfth, twelfth to, I would say twelfth or eleventh.
1: Okay. Or, That's fair.
0: Or even a tenth. I'll take that. Yeah.
1: I'm just going to go out and say I think I found the reason why Sauber painted those cars the way they did. Why is that? They're hoping to distract the other drivers to get by them.
0: Mm. Might work for Logan Sargent. He'll be like, ooh, shiny object. (laughs) It might work for him. Yes. What a mess. Sauber is, man. I, I can go off about this for days. It's just... I was watching qualifying today. They were the only team without a special sector, a special run. They were just right there. Like, they were just where they belonged. They didn't show any prowess getting anywhere better. Like, anywhere better than what they did. No special lap from Bottas. No special lap from Zhou. It was just like... Like, they're, they're, they're a footnote. In this race, like I, I like we have no predictions about them. None of us think they're going anywhere. We didn't even like talk about them really until now.
1: Oh, that just reminded me. One of my tangents last week was about Patty Lowe. Mm. Patty Lowe is back.
0: Was this going to be the correction? Or?
1: No, 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 no. Patty Lowe is back and he is back as a sponsor of Sauber.
0: It says it all, doesn't it? Well, he's
1: got a company. I'm not sure if he owns it or owns part of it or what the situation is. But his company is one of the companies developing the sustainable fuels for 26 onwards. And they're sponsoring the Sauber team this Mm -hmm. year.
0: Does that have anything to do with Sauber's development direction going forward? Like, are they going to have a a foothold into the new regulations i haven't looked into it too much because i just saw this shortly
1: before we started um but most of the teams are sponsored by a fuel manufacturer because you don't there's no specific fuel for f1 you Mm. team up with a fuel manufacturer they give you a fuel the only caveats are it can't change you can't make race specific fuels and there's a certain amount of energy you have to be able to pull from the fuel, you know. So there are limitations around the fuel itself, um, but largely it's it's open, right? So Shell, Shell and Ferrari have a yeah. very long relationship. Shell makes fuel for the F1 cars, which surprisingly is actually not that different than fuel you can get from the pump. Really? Yeah. Um, it is different, but it's not aerospace grade fuel compared to what you would put in a normal car that's the point is it like a 95
0: grade like we can get up to 93 is 97 it? i believe we can get oh well
2: wow.
1: i think that yeah, might be 95 mm. anyway um where i'm going with that is i don't know what fuel salver uses but if this sponsorship is also a fuel sponsorship in the sense that whatever patty's company is is providing them let's say more regular fuels before the sustainable fuels come in maybe patty does fuck up sauber <laughs> because the fuel's not ready
0: i don't know that that's the case but who knows Jeez. they can't get anything right
2: <laughs>
0: all right um we'll be back for part two in a few minutes i hope you enjoyed part one